Real quick, before I actually launch into this, let let me just read to you from a passage that we often bring up during our offering meditations. It's uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You don't have it back there um, at all, Josh, so don't worry about this right now. I'm just reading this. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Today, we are looking at how you can get there to be a cheerful giver. There's actually a secret, and that secret is actually tied up in that old dumb joke that I'm sure you have heard several times about a man who is living in the flood zone, and his house is underwater, and he's up on top of the house praying to God to help him. Pretty soon a raft comes by, and they said, come on, get on. He goes, oh, no, no, no. God's going God's to rescue me. And I go, okay. And they, they go along. And then a boat comes around. And they said, hey, get on. We'll, we'll take you to safety. He goes, no, no, no. I've been praying. God's going to rescue me. And uh, they, they went on their way. Pretty soon a helicopter came, came by, called down. Uh, we'll, we'll throw down the rope. Come on up. We'll save you. He goes, oh, no, no, no. God's going to save me. And then, of course, the joke switches to heaven, where the man is now standing before God. And he asks God, what's up? I prayed that you would save me. And God said, hey, I sent you a raft, a boat, and a helicopter. What more do you want? (laughs) See, now most of you have heard that before, and it's dumb, but it illustrates a great point about what we're going to be talking about today. This one hits home, by the way. Jenny and I are on the road to finding out answers to this area of our life. It's going to take some hard decisions. It's going to take maturity. This is part two in a series that we've entitled The Great Escape. Trying to find God's way out of the trap of consumerism and materialism and anxiety that comes from finances and debt. Now remember last week when I'm preaching about this, this is not about the church needing money. God will always provide for that. I promise you that. No matter what the budget is, Our our leadership seeks God, and God always provides. In fact, this last year, if you've been tracking, uh, in 2019, more came in than we were budgeting. God is good. Amen? Amen. Yeah. But even if somebody should write a check today that would cover the entire amount of the budget for 2020, woohoo! you can talk to me afterwards about that. Even if that would happen, I would preach on finances and giving. Why? Because the Bible is God's wisdom about the resources that he's given to us. Uh, The the, the Bible ties our spiritual maturity with our financial understanding. Finances should be taught in the church because it's not about needing money. It's about needing our heart in the right place. Jesus spoke about money more than he would speak about heaven. And those who are out of control in this area in their lives tend to be out of control in other areas of their lives as well. So this really is about you. I love you, and I love serving as your pastor. You you hear me say that. Here's a very practical way for me to show you love. It's about you finding health in this area of your life that so many people have so wrong. Why? Because there are occasions that you have been led by the Spirit to be generous. And you could not. 
God says, I want to free you up so that when it's time to be generous, you will be able to be generous. So it's not just about a percentage. It's about literally the whole thing that God has given to us, which means I have to fire myself of being the owner of the stuff. And I need to now rehire myself as the manager of God's stuff that he has entrusted to me to be a good steward of. Now, this seems to be the biblical way of making the great escape possible for believers. To free us up from a paralyzing anxiety that sometimes comes when we look at our bank accounts. To rid ourselves of the impulse to have to buy something so that we can raise our standard of living to keep up with somebody else. Or or, or to, to realize that by living the way that God wants me to live, I will be blessed. I will be blessed doesn't mean I will become filthy rich. It means I will be blessed and I will have extra because God is all about margin. You see, if this is your level of income and this is your level of outgo, this margin here is anxiety, fear. But if this is your income and this is your outgo, this represents peace and God wants us to live in peace. So today, we're going to learn how to come out of the dark, to come out of the dark, to see the light of God's wisdom in his words. Now, just so you don't get the wrong impression, I am not up here as an expert. I am preaching to me today as well as to you. This is an area I am seeking God's will in for my life to find victory. The the, the giving of a percentage to God, that's never been a problem for me. I I was taught that. I I would do that. It's it's the managing all of the other stuff in in a way that God would want me to. That that trips me up at times. And so I've learned the importance of setting goals. And I find that there's three really good goals for God's people to have. The first goal is to commit beforehand what I will give. Which means I don't come to church relying on the inspiration of Troy York in his offering meditation to say, oh, yes, I should give. I should already know that I should give. I should have already made that decision that I will give and that even if we did not have an offering meditation, that we would still give, that we would still have the opportunity to give because we know we we have committed beforehand what we're going to give and how much we are going to give. My, my second goal is to commit beforehand what I want to save because saving is a very important thing as well in God's economy for our lives. You've heard maybe of the 10-10-80 plan. And the 10-10-80 plan is not just preached by people who know Jesus, but other people out there who just know finances. They say if you live by 10-10-80, you'll be, you'll be well off. 10% you give away. 10% you save and then you'll learn how to live on the 80% that's left over. This is, this is something so foreign to Westerners. I, I was told about a decade ago that the average American will live on 117% of their income. Folks, you don't have to be a, a math genius to figure out that that's trouble right there. And, and, and that's a trap that our culture has built into us that we fall into all the time. So I need to commit beforehand what I want to give. I got to commit beforehand what I want to save. And if I'm going to live by the 10, 10, 80, then that means I've got to manage that 80%, which means my third goal is I got to get out of debt and stay out of debt. I got to keep that before me all the time 
Because you know as well as I do, if you wanted to raise your standard of living, it's pretty easy. Just take out your card and swipe. Or insert now, whatever they do anymore, right? All you got to do is go into debt and you can raise your standard of living. Well, there's two ways of raising your standard of living. There's the slow way where you spend wisely, you save wisely, you think about it, you invest wisely. And then there's the other way where you just go into debt and now, poof, you've got a bigger truck, a nicer truck. You've got a a better place to live. You've got all of these other things that you could not afford, but you did it to raise your standard of living. But what that does is that creates this anxiety, stress in your life. And folks, if nothing else, God, your heavenly Father, loves you and wants you to live in peace. No matter what the standard of living you have chosen or He has allowed you to live in. God guarantees that if you were to live by His biblical teaching about money in your whole life, if you did not try to clamor to get to another level of living, that you would actually live in peace. And that's what He wants for you. He wants to take care of you. And and He wants you to be able to live in such a way that you are content, then that you are generous, and that you have the freedom to move and act when God leads you to move and act. But that's only going to happen when we live by His standards of stewardship. See, the Bible is filled with a lot of insight and wisdom about debt. God God guarantees that if you were to to follow His way and to stay out of debt, uh, you you will live in peace. I, I I will never stand up here and guarantee that if you just give to God, He's going to give you a check for that same amount and go over. But He does promise a blessing. This is not health and wealth. There is a blessing. Because isn't it a blessing to approach your finances in a little bit more mature way than other people? Isn't that a blessing? Isn't it a blessing to, to know that you're actually content with the level of living that God has allowed you to have? Wouldn't that be nice? Isn't that a blessing to to not have to clamor for more or to keep up with somebody else? I I found it to be a huge blessing to not have to strive for more. You see, God, when He gives us these standards, it's not to ruin your life or to throw cold water uh, on your life so that you're miserable. Folks, that that doesn't work anymore. I mean, talk about evangelistic efforts. Say, hey, come to Jesus. He'll make you miserable. That's... That's not what a good heavenly father wants to do for you. He wants you to live in peace. So if we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, God promises his people something. He says, you live by my standards, I'll bless you. There will be rain in due season and you will have crops that would produce. That would happen if you obeyed. Now, why would God do that? Well, first of all, I believe that he was teaching them that his ways are very wise. And if you would just live by them, your relationships would be healthy. Your finances would be healthy. Your life would be healthy. God says, I I want you there. I I want these things to to go right. So you got to listen to me. So that's the first reason that he's promised this. But the second reason doesn't even involve us. It involves him. 
Because he gets the glory when we live by his principles and people see, my goodness, you don't have these, these financial anxieties that I do. How? How can you be so happy in life and, and content with where you're at? And you can point to God saying, God is blessing me for that. So God wants to bless us so that people will know about him and walk in his ways. Now, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, you'll discover that part of the obedience has to do with debt. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 12 says, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. See, there's a, a partnership there. God's not just giving and giving, giving, and you don't work. He says, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. Why was that a big deal for God that his people would not be in debt to other nations? Well, he's talking about the margin. Follow my ways and you, first of all, will learn to trust me. Learn that I'm your provider. Not you, but me. Also, learn to trust me and walk in my ways so that you'll have some left over. And if you have some left over, guess what? You'll get to then turn around and share that with other people to help them out. See, that was God's plan. So we fall into the trap of our culture when we don't trust God and and things start to seem a little tight and we follow the wisdom of the world rather than wisdom of God. And instead of uh, uh, living by the, the, the continual trust in God principles in the Bible, we begin to hoard it and more than that, we begin to go into debt so that we can feel better about where we're at. But that's, that's just a crazy game because now you're deeper into that area that made you feel bad in the first place. It doesn't seem logical. I, I was raised in a very interesting way. And if you're under 40, this may not seem uh, logical to you. But there was something called layaway. Remember that? My mother would always use layaway. Uh, she'd go to Mervyn's and do layaway. Sears, layaway. Well, what layaway was, if you were younger than 40, was you would actually begin to pay the store ahead of time, little small amounts, until you paid the entire thing off. No interest at all. You would pay it entirely off. And then when you actually paid for it, you got it and it was brand new. And it still smelled new. And, and you didn't owe anything on it anymore. I mean, literally, it was now yours to use. Um, anymore, folks, uh, the things that you buy on credit, by the time you finish paying for those, you probably don't even know where they are. You probably broke it or lost it or ate it. Guilty. I'm still paying for meals that I, I put on the card two months ago. And they're, they're, it's gone. And yet that's how we live. That's the trap that our culture brings us down into. That's the first reason that debt is not good. It's, it's because we, we don't learn to trust God. And we want it now and, and demand it now. Second of, all, second of all, when you are in debt, the Bible says that you are a slave. Proverbs 22 says the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I wonder how many of us who maybe have heard the, the, uh, the, the preaching last month where I came down the aisle with the Elsa wig of letting it go, and you didn't pay attention except for the wig, 
And you went into debt this Christmas just to buy stuff. And now you're finding out that not only are you employed by your employer, but you also now work for Discover Card. And now you work for Visa. And now you work for U.S. Bank. See, you used their money. They were all too eager to let you use their money because now it costs you to use their money and a portion of your hard-earned income has to now go to them. So here we go, testimony time. Last week, I was headed down Sunday night to rehearsal in Bend and I began to think through this sermon and began to go through my mind how I would begin the sermon and I realized at this point, I go, wait a second, I work for Les Schwab. I'm a Schwabie. Well, no, I, I don't, don't ha- ask me to change your tires, believe me. That's not what I do. But, but, I realized that I needed some tires, so I went into debt. I put it on credit there, at Le Schwab, so that I could get some snow tires. And, and, I, and now I realize that um, when I get my monthly paycheck, a uh, uh, hefty part of that now goes to Les Schwab. So I'm working for the church, and I'm also working for Les Schwab. Oh, I'm also working for U.S. Bank. Oh, I'm also working for Chase Bank. And I'm also working, you see, he goes on and on, how much of a slave I am. And all of a sudden it hit me. Here I am getting ready to preach about God's heart to free his people from slavery, from anything. And, and as I considered my own debt, and the, the steps that Jenny and I are, are taking to alleviate that debt, all of a sudden, Almost in an audible voice, God said, So, Trey, when you go down to your sister's wedding in April, you are not going to Disneyland. And I was like, No! No! For the next five to ten minutes, God and I argued in the car. If you were driving by me, it was probably an interesting sight to look over and go, Wow! I mean, because I literally was saying, no, that, no, don't touch Disneyland. And, 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 and God said, Trey, if you are in debt, it will be a sin for you to go into more debt just so you can go to Disneyland when you could go at any other time after you sink your debt. But God, that's not fair. It's, it's Disneyland. He says, are you going to preach this? Yes. <laughs> then... And that's when I realized so many other times in my life that God had wanted me to live by the principles of his word and I ignored it. And I just went into deeper debt and deeper debt. Why? Because I wanted it. Because the, the temptation was too great. I had to have it. I wasn't acting in a mature manner. And, and, and I would not choose delayed gratification. I acted like a toddler. It's mine. It's mine. I want it. And I want it now. Why, why, why does God care about your freedom? Well, why did God care about his people in Egypt being slaves in Egypt? Oh, why does he care about you being a slave to sin? Why does he care about you being a slave to discontentment or to U.S. Bank? <laughs> because he knows that when we're trapped, there's a tension. There's a tension between our faith and our actions. Jesus told us about this. He says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other. And by the way, hate and love, that's basically just a comparison. It, comparatively, I will choose one. It will be a priority over the other. 
or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So it's not about me selling myself into slavery. It's about me buying my way into slavery. And if you were smart, you'd ask me the question, why would you do that, Trey? The answer is something I'm ashamed of. Really, truly. Because it betrays a character flaw in me. It's pretty clear that when I continue to to buy myself into slavery, I do that for two reasons. Number one, I lack self-control. I can't say no. I want that. And I want it now. And I'm not going to put it on layaway. I'm going to use my credit card and I'm going to get it now. Now, some people say, but, but, but Trey, Les Schwab gives you tires. Snow tires are important around here when the snow hits. Yes, absolutely. But when I got the windfall, uh, when you know, the, uh, the tax time comes back around and you get your, uh, your, your return, why did I look at that as, woohoo, free money, I can go and spend this. Why, when I perform a wedding and I get some money for that, why do I go, woohoo, extra money, I can go spend this. Why can't I put that aside for emergencies like well, snow tires, which are not emergencies. I know every year I'm going to need to think about that, right? I lack self-control. I want to use it now. The, Proverbs 25 says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Now, back, back in those days, in the ancient times, the city would be protected by a wall. And if the wall had come down, you are now prey to predators. You're, you're in danger of predators coming in and, and taking advantage of you. Isn't that exactly what's happening today? We like to put blame on the predatory lenders, for example. But ultimately, if I had the self-control to say no to more and more of what the, the culture says I have to have... I would put those predatory lenders out of business. Amen? Wouldn't that be so cool? That we say no to those things. We don't need those. Because they ask us to live on a higher standard of living than what we really are supposed to be living. So I lack self-control or I lack contentment. I'm just not content with where God put me. I'm not content with what God has given me. I want more. I, I am covetousness. I'm covetous which is one of the Ten Commandments. I see what you all have, and I want that. That's why I love the fact that uh, I, I know some of you could easily go into debt to buy a really, really nice truck, and yet you, you only spent $2,500 for uh, like a 1985 Toyota because you know it will work and it'll be fine, and you don't need to go bigger and better because you can be content See, this is why I cannot stand up to predatory lenders. Because they have said to me, you can't be content with where you're at. You deserve more. Boy, I hate that word. Deserve. Ever watch the car commercials? Get the luxury. You deserve. I go, you don't even know me. You don't know what I deserve. I could be the most rotten person in the world. I don't deserve that. You know what the Proverbs say about contentment? Proverbs 30, it says, two things I ask of you, Lord. First, and do not refuse me before I die. Please, first of all, keep falsehood and lies far from me. But second of all, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. That's contentment right there. Why? Because if I have too much, I'll disown you. I'll start trusting in me and not you and say, who is the Lord? 
or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. See, here's the harsh reality. Both of those things, lack of self-control and lack of contentment, those are sins. Call it for what it is. They're sins. They miss the mark. They are part of a self-centered, sinful nature Do not help us submit ourselves to the provision and the protection of our Heavenly Father. The last reason that we should not be in debt, well, when we can live by God's standard and we begin to see that there is extra, now we can understand what that extra is for. Uh, We saw this passage last week from 1 Timothy 6. Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in the, the, uh, the passage that I began with in 2 Corinthians, in this passage where God says he loves a cheerful giver, how can you be a cheerful giver? Paul explains how. He says you will be made rich in every way so that you could be generous on every occasion. Folks, you know, you know what it's like to be generous, to be able to be generous. The feeling that God allows you to have as you serve as a blessing to other people. So I know this church. You have a huge heart for people. And I know you would be generous if you only could. By living according to God's standards, now your ability will match your desires. I've come to find out that the, the, the Christians in this church, they want to be generous. But they've never figured out how they can be generous because they look at their checkbook and wonder how they can find that extra. They have to learn how to be better stewards with the money that God has given them in order to free up that extra to give. How many times in 2019 did you have the opportunity to give? Whether it was at church or in the office or in your community and you really wanted to, but you just looked at your situation and said, i kind of strapped right now. Sorry, I, I, I can't do that. See, it's not about your desire. That's not why I'm up here. That's why I am not up here bashing you. Because I know your hearts. You're all very generous people. But debt that you are in impacts your ability to be as generous as you want to be. And then I have to ask this question that's kind of an ouch question. Why do we find ourselves in the situation where we can't give to people in need because we've got a garage full of crap that we don't need? That's me, folks. That's me. <laughs> yes, I said crap. It's okay. <laughs> now, it's not because there's not, not enough tools out there. There's a lot of, lot of places you can go. Like credit consumer counseling, you can go to, to Dave Ramsey. There, there's a lot of tools out there. That's not the issue. The, the issue is, if I lack self-control and I lack contentment, what's the answer? i got to learn how to be self-controlled. And I need to start learning contentment. So here's the plan. First of all, you've got to get right with God. You've got to be honest with God. You've got to get real with God. You've got to say, this was a sin. This is not just them being unfair to me. This is me. I sinned, and I'm sorry, because I have contributed to where I'm at. And I no longer want to be there, God. Help me. That's the second thing, is to get help. Because God will send you a raft and a boat. And a helicopter. Get on it! You say, but, but it is so embarrassing to say that I am in trouble and I need help. 
I think it's much more embarrassing once you, you let it go and let it go and let it go and let it go to all of a sudden you're in bankruptcy and you've lost everything. Why don't you get help now? You've, you are surrounded by people who love you. You're surrounded by people who are on the same journey as you. Some of them way ahead of you. Some of you behind you. We have people in this church who will help you sit down and, and look at your budget and figure out how to get out of debt. We're going to be offering the Dave Ramsey course, the Financial Peace University, uh, very, very soon. Keep watching for that. So there is going to be ways for you to actually get real and get help. But I'm going to take this last couple or three minutes to be really vulnerable with you right now. <laughs> because as we are being honest about our own debt, most of you may not be aware that uh, Powell Butte is still paying off a debt that we incurred when we built this building. I, I would be willing to bet 50% or more of you had no idea that we are paying off a debt. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a need for churches to expand and to build because God has this crazy thing that when you have the space, He will fill it, okay? And I am not sorry that we built this building at all. So you don't go back and start to place the blame on the people who made the decision to build this building. This is a good thing. God is using this place. But here's reality. Presently, we're still in debt and we're still paying off, which means that as I preach to you as an individual or as a family, maybe we would do well in keeping in mind for our church those principles as well. So to that end, in 2020, you're going to be hearing much more about ways that we can help sink that debt. I've been told that if 120 families, just 120 families, would be able to have the extra to give $100 more on top of what they give now every month, in five years, debt's gone. Isn't that amazing? Folks, that's, that's within our grasp. God working through the generosity of his people, but only only when we can reorganize everything so that, those, that there will be extra. You don't go into debt more to pay off the debt. That doesn't honor God either. And so you're going you're gonna to hear a lot about estate planning. You're going to hear about uh, giving of stocks and bonds. You can download the PBCC app that links directly to PushPay. You, you've got three ways to give here. You can give directly. You can give online. You can uh, use your bank institution to, to, to do bill pay. But whatever you do, it's important to know why. Why? It's not about the church needs money. It means that we can actually live the way that God has wanted us to live, generously, with our hands like this. And because once we can live like this, there is peace. We will have learned to trust God more, and we will finally be able to be as generous as we have always wanted to be. Right now, I'd invite the worship team to come on up, and as they do, let me tell you this. As your pastor, I want this for you. But I tell you, even more important, your Heavenly Father wants this for you. It's not about anything but you and trusting Him and being able to be as generous as His Spirit has led you to be. I hope that you're going to take this challenge to make this little correction in your life because I, I guarantee you there are people in this room who will give the testimony that if you do, you will never, ever, ever, ever regret it. Amen? All right, let's stand up. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to conclude our service, and I'm going to run away so that you guys aren't attacking me after. No, I'm kidding. If you need to talk to people, contact us. 
If you want prayer about this, come on down while we sing or afterwards. As we stack chairs, you can come on down and now that gives you a <laughs> legitimate reason to not stack chairs because you need to come and pray. This is not about judging you at all. At all, folks. God loves you and he wants you to live in freedom. Can you imagine what that would be like?